Hey, fellow rock bros. Yeah. Hey. I just had me a groupie. Hey. All right. Oh. Hey, why don't you jam with us? Mm-mm-mm-mm. Come on, Al, for old times' sake. Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a whoop No Man Presents, live from the nudie bar, the Married with Children Podcast. And here are your hosts, Dan, Jamie, and Al. We are here to rock out. My name is Al. (laughs) I'm Jamie. You are who I think about when I'm having sex with my husband. All right. (laughs) And I'm Axel, Axel Chase, also known as Awful Grungy. (laughs) You really are. Mm. Thank you. Haven't showered since Christmas. (laughs) You are who I think about when I'm having sex with my husband. (laughs) You are who I think about when I'm cleaning behind the toilet bowl. (laughs) <laughs> I think she said that like one too many times, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah, we're reviewing Rock of Ages. When Al wins a trip to Hawaii, he poses as an aging rock star to get into the first class lounge. Inside the airport lounge, he meets rock heroes Spencer Davis, Richie Havens, Robbie Krieger, Mark Lindsay, Pete Noan, and John Sebastian. Mistaking him for a fellow rocker, the musicians convince Al to perform with them at a benefit. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Season 7, Episode 9, original air date, November 15th, 1992. Director Jerry Cohen, writer Al Adikman. And that's weird. His name is Aid. And... (laughs) (laughs) Weird, right? (laughs) Uh, Lemonade. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Special guest stars, Aaron Lustig was the first class guy who was, like, checking everyone's stuff. Yep. And uh, Teresa Lee was uh, Petal, mm-hmm. the hot chick Bud brought That's home. part of a flower. Right, yeah. <laughs> Don't you love her? Sign of my drop. <laughs> Mark, Mark Goodman was VJ. I thought, uh, I guess the hot stewardess didn't say anything, so we're not getting that. So the title, Rock of Ages, is biblical. And uh, but it, m- most people think of the Deaf Leopard song. Rock uh, yeah, that was their hit song from their uh, diamond selling 1983 album Pyromania. <laughs> yes, selling. indeed. That's a great album. Mm-hmm. He's the hottest name in rock. Axel. Everyone has their hands out for a taste of Al's paycheck. He blows them off by pretending that he thinks they want to shake his hand. <laughs> Hello and goodbye, actually. Al, perhaps you didn't see us. <laughs> I think he's playing dumb. 
No, honey. I've known him for years. He's not playing. <laughs> Where's the money, Al? Oh, I got robbed. I was driving home, and I drove by the bank, and the street was cordoned off. So I knew I shouldn't get out of the car, but I did, and that's when they jumped me. Muggers, Al? The worse. Bankers. <laughs> Bill collectors, electric company reps, that wiry little woman from the water company. <laughs> they were all there. They threw me down, forced a pen in my hand, and made me pay bills against my will. <laughs> I felt so violated. <laughs> but I fought like a wildcat. And I think I felt a toe snap when I bit through that water company babe's penny loafer. <laughs> and that gas guy's going to be reading meters out of one eye for a while. Didn't you used to meet readers, uh, read meters before you were a lineman? Yeah, to get into my company, you have to start by reading meters. And, oh, God. Now, listen, my life is, I'm very fortunate right now. But I went through hell to get here. No, like, literally. Literally. Like, I wanted to die. Dude, back then, you'd be like, I'm walking between two buildings right now. There's spider webs. There's a huge... (laughs) It was death. Like, literally, um... It was seven years of hell, and I did it for seven years because the company got bottlenecked and you couldn't move anywhere. Right. They weren't opening, uh, you know, uh, line school classes or anything. So you were just – and once you go to line school, you could fail out of that and go right back to meter reading too. So it, nothing's a guarantee. So I was stuck there for seven years. You had to read in the rain in a foot of snow. They didn't care. And you just kept going, and you did whatever you could in the foot of snow, but you just did it. And your feet were ice cubes by an hour into it, and you still had five to go. And you walked everywhere, too, for, like, a good majority of it, right? Like, you would just get out at a spot and just start walking for, like, miles? You walk, like, three miles, and the way they route it, you end up back where you parked. (laughs) (laughs) I would have just taken the truck everywhere. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. Sometimes there's things called trucking routes. Yep. And you have to pull in and out of 340 driveways a day. Wow. Do you know what that's like to your neck and back and everything by turning? Because you can't – if you hit anything, you're you're basically fired. Right. And I've, I've backed into a guy's mailbox and completely crushed it. And the worst part was it was all built on stone. So I crushed and crumbled the entire thing that the mailbox <laughs> was sitting on. And I just left the scene. Oh. I went to the hardware store and I bought cement and I <laughs> cemented all the blocks back together. What? Are you kidding me? Wow. Because no. <laughs> I knew if I told anybody, I'd get fired. Oh, so, my God. Hopefully how long did that show. take? I don't re- probably an hour. I don't remember. How did you wait? How did you go back there and then do that without anybody noticing that you were like mixing cement? Well, someone did. So when I saw them looking at me doing this, I decided it was probably a good idea to just tell the people what I did. And so when I saw a neighbor look at me doing this, I said, "Ugh." So I just walked up to the house. I go, "Hey, uh I I was making a U-turn on your street. I took all my uniform off. I was like, I was making a U-turn on your street, and I kind of hit your mailbox. But just a couple bricks fell out, but I'm fixing it now, okay? And it was, a thank God, like an 80-year-old lady. She's like, oh, wow, thanks for not just leaving. I was like, oh, no problem. So oh, this is nice. 
dude, if they reported it to my company, I'd be done. Right. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, but it was hell. You read in the rain, your shoes, your socks are soaking wet, and the rain is sideways and whatever. It was just death. Oh, dude, and I and I'll like not to air out your purple. Like I could tell you were so depressed back then. <laughs> like I could hear it in your voice on the phone, dude. I could hear it in your voice on the phone, like walking from a job site to another. And you were just like <laughs> the word that I, all I could think of is just like defeated. <laughs> I was a broken man. But we. we- <laughs> Well, which, which is great now, though, because you're beyond that and you far surpassed that, which well, is great. Well, good on you and for the perseverance, too. Right? I mean, that's, that's, that's really incredible. You could have given up and said, you know, screw this, I'll do something else. Salesman. And, ugh. Yeah. It was just just pure hell. But, I mean, look at you now. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it, that's the only way I could look back and say, well... At least I made it out. <laughs> like, that's the only good thing. Well, you know, this is my own fault. The organ grinder who owns the monkey doesn't let him have the check. <laughs> You're the organ grinder, all right. <laughs> hey, what's uh, this? <laughs> well, it was my handkerchief. <laughs> Here, boy. <laughs> <laughs> when Al sneezes and wipes his hands on the dog, that is the best. What's so funny is no one calls attention to it or anything. It's just like a little side thing. Right. He's just over there because Peggy's like reading the thing, and he's over there just wiping his hands on the dog, and he's like, "Oh, that's boy. great." Yeah, it's just. Yeah. And then, oh, you know what's weird about it? This is, I swear to God, it's the weirdest thing. As Al sneezed, I literally sneezed a second before he did. Oh, really? It was so weird. And I, I think I sneezed twice, and then all of a sudden, he sneezed a second after I did. I was like, that's weird. <laughs> like, how often do you do that, you know? Right. Look at this. It's a brochure announcing a monthly shoe sales contest. And the winner gets a free first-class trip to Hawaii. Well, that's fine for the winner, but... What would Dad get? <laughs> so you bowel-constricting vampires I call loved ones think I couldn't possibly be a winner, huh? No, I'm not really. really. <laughs> oh, sure, I pulled the handle on the slot machine of life and come up with prune, lemon, and the uh, lonely Mr. Cherry. <laughs> but I was a high school hero, and I can do it again. Any man who can score four touchdowns in a single game after a night with your mother oh. <laughs> is surely capable of new glory. Al Bundy will win this contest and go to Hawaii. First class. How come the winner only gets one ticket? Well, otherwise, you'd have to take his wife. And where's the incentive there? He's never showed us anything that would ever make you think he'd win this contest. <laughs> Nothing whatsoever. <laughs> have, you ever, have you guys ever been to Hawaii? Oh, no. I can't afford that. I have no desire to go after watching Dr. Bounty Hunter. I have no <laughs> desire after watching the Brady Bunch because I don't want some tiki to give me tarantulas. Right? But I've always wanted to go to Hawaii or Hawaii, as my grandmother used to say. She always wanted to go to Hawaii. I want to go to Hawaii. Um <laughs> <laughs> I've always wanted to go, and I never have. Missouri. Uh, more than Hawaii, though, I really want to go to Tahiti. 
Tahiti. Come on, you want to lay me? Pass the coca, my honor. Lake Titicaca. Titicaca. <laughs> what do you guys think of this whole premise of this episode? Obviously, they need a vehicle to get these celebrity musicians on here. What do you think of Al winning a contest to sell shoes to get to this point? That that part was fine. I actually wish it was more of that. Like, I could have seen different stages of that plot point, you know? Like, show him, do a montage of him selling the shoes. Like you said, like, we don't know, like, what Al does to to put himself above <laughs> any of the other, uh, you know, shoe salesmen. Right. Well, no, we do see some of the scams, I guess, but... Some of them, but, like, for this, like, he has incentive now, so what does that look like? And then, yeah, once we get to the music thing, it, it just took a turn. Like, the, the description, I mean, not that these descriptions are ever really, <laughs> ever really no, that uh, <laughs> cohesive with, with the actual shows, but... It just felt like that plot point was underdeveloped, uh, especially with the with the majority of the rest of the episode with the musicians. It seemed to add a character Val, I think, a little bit. And I, I never saw him, like, care about things like this. So, I mean, he, they, he, don't get me wrong. He cared when he won the free trip to England right. and all that kind of stuff. But right. I don't know. He never seemed goal-oriented in that way. It's and it seemed like more than anything, he just wanted to get away from his family, right? <laughs> well, oh, oh yeah, because it was a one ticket right. deal. Okay, and, and, you know what? Yeah, maybe it is. Yeah, I mean that's what that's what he would want. Of course, the exact opposite happens. Right. <laughs> and I do want to take this time out to say, you know, with the new year here and everything, our first show we released uh, last week, first day of the year. Uh, so that was pretty cool. For yeah. 2020, yep. And uh, so now we have been doing this for all of 2017, 18, and 19. So this is our fourth season here. Wow. A lot goes into making this show, and a lot of people make it happen. And uh, I just want to like point out some of the ones who do. The Married with Children research team has, uh, you know, a new member we talked about, Luigi Pelladino. He is just blowing it away. Like, he puts in so much time to every one of these episodes, and he takes amazing notes and adds so much. So now what we all do, the three of us, now it's compounded with him and Annabelle and Chris. And yeah. it's, you know, some people have come and gone from the team. Um, that's the team we have right now, Chris, Annabelle, and him. And, man, it is like we're not missing anything, I think, so. I just want to say thanks to those guys. Absolutely. Oh, and uh, thanks to JP for his undying dedication on a daily basis. Here he comes. He's coming in for a pit stop. Sold 24 pair of shoes, and I'm in third place. Shower me. Squeegee me. Fratello's in second place, but I can take him. He goes home at night to visit his wife. The sap still loves her. <laughs> Luckily, I don't have that problem. <laughs> no time for frivolity. Now, he does this whole pit stop scene, like uh, like uh, the guys who do the Indy 500 or whatever. And he comes in, you know, the shirt comes off, they spray him down, they squeegee him, they... 
Now, we got to get to this. Like, thank God there's the only time we have to talk about him, but I definitely do not want to gloss over this. Mm-hmm. Shoo me. Like, could you imagine Shane Sweet's parents or something, when they read the script, she goes, so where is, where's uh, Shaney? Oh, well, you see right here where Al says shoo me? Mm-hmm. Okay, so he's going to be on his hands and knees in front of Al, and he's going to slip his uh, shoes on. Oh, okay. So, so what else? What, what does he do after that? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. The plot is that we kind of just dump him off at Marcy's house later on. Uh, what? Oh yeah. Wait, you're saying all he's gonna do? They're gonna cut to him, and he's gonna put Al's shoes on. Hmm. 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 Yep. Can you imagine <laughs> this? Like, this is absolutely fascinating and it's humiliating why would you not have gotten out of that contract <laughs> yeah what's the last straw here yeah right? just like look buy me out you clearly don't want me on the show you clearly have nothing for me to do buy out this contract it's ridiculous but no it is amazing he he, he was okay with this like and listen, we gotta thank the uh, the Mayor with Children team. Like they they listened, and they're like, "Well, we can't have this kid on the show. They don't want him." Well, we have to. What are we gonna do? I don't know. Our <laughs> shoes on. I don't know. And then that's it. We'll somehow get rid of him. I have no idea. Okay, right. I don't care. Do you care? Nope. You? Nope. No. Nope. Like I said, they scully him every episode. They just right. get rid of him. Like <laughs> they give him something to do and. Get rid of him it's for the, the rest of the remainder thing. of the episode. It's the oddest thing ever. It's getting more and more <laughs> straight up bizarre. Like it's comical. Oh, it's and like great. I said too, and, and not to mention too, ironic because of how the season started. You know how, how last season transpired. It's just so weird. Like why? 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 Like why? I think Dan wants to know why. Why? <laughs> that should be Marcy coming to buy shoes. <laughs> the strangest thing just happened. I was taking a shower and someone broke in and stole all my shoes. <laughs> How odd. <laughs> I only hope that this is not a night in which you need shoes. Well, you know, she does, Al. I told you we have a big, important dinner with the bank president. Remember, Marcy was in the shower. You told me my hair was a mess. So, of course, I ran off to fix it. When I came back, you were gone. You must have just missed the burglar. Anyway, uh, hey, how's my hair? Now, I thought that that was hilarious, like how stupid and naive of him saying, you just must have missed the burglar. Oh, yeah. It was incredibly stupid of Jefferson and honestly, even stupid of Marcy, because if I was standing next to him and he just recounted that story, I'd be like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Right. Right. Especially when Al pulls out shoes that go with her dress perfectly. I mean, what? (laughs) (laughs) But it's I love when Jefferson's kind of dumb. It's kind of endearing in a weird way. Oh, yeah. I just at first I thought he was like in on it. <laughs> I, I seriously thought he's like, yeah, Al. You know, uh, you know, Marcy was in the shower, and you said, and then I was like, oh, so he's kind of in on it. 
And I was like, oh, but he's about to give it away. But then give turns it away, out, give no, it away. He, he wasn't in on it. He's just stupid. But then even though he did pretty much give it away, Marcy didn't get, Marcy didn't pick up on it, but whatever. Nope. I thought it was funny, though. Yeah, it was funny. Now, Marcy, as a friend who is also in the business, let me fix you up with a nice pair of shoes. Now, just sit down right here and put your feet in my hands. You're not going to look at my dress, are you? (laughs) I'm not going through the rest of my life blind just to sell you shoes. (laughs) Best line of the episode. Yeah. I cannot believe she even, like, she just opened herself up for that. Because... Right. With all the years of him referring to her as a chicken and having chicken legs and all of that, don't don't open yourself up for insults. You know, like he's <laughs> he's not going to look up your dress. Trust me. Right. <laughs> now, Dan, would you look up Marcy's dress to see what's doing? Absolutely not. <laughs> I'm all set. I think she has. I don't. Know, I don't know. I think she, particularly in this episode, I thought she looked cute. Hmm. Well, her hair looks the best in this season. Yeah. <laughs> Is that not saying much? Uh, I mean, to, uh, to each his own. That's all I'll say. To each his own. Hmm. Now, here, let me show you a very nice set of pumps, two-inch heels, which, by coincidence, match your dress exactly. They're perfect. I'll take them. Fine. That'll be $500. $500? Well, they came in a six-pack. Apparently, they were a family of cats, and we were asked not to separate them. But uh, trust me, they weren't killed for shoes. They were all run over by cars. (laughs) Must be where they get hush puppies. Oh, spare me. Just give me the shoes. Tired of looking at myself in your head. Come on, Jefferson. We're late. Remember, after dinner, when they serve the cigars and brandy, you go in the other room with the wives. All right, but I better get a phone book for my pants, because every time it's the same thing. The lights accidentally go out, and I'm the helpless victim of a gang goose. Look, those people are important to my career. You'll take it and like it, Missy. (laughs) She's been referring to Jefferson as Missy a lot this season, right? Yeah, I don't like it. (laughs) <laughs> Me neither. I don't, I don't like, like it. it. I don't like it one bit. Now they, they see that's the thing. You can use Jefferson, you know, kind of how, however dumb you need to make him for the episode. That's fine. But uh, but they're dynamic. See, here's the thing though. I love Jefferson as a character because of that dynamic. So in a way, yeah, I guess it's not that bad. Well, Al charges Marcy five hundred dollars for these shoes and through no real reason she pays for them she has $500 in cash in her purse I know she's a bank manager but Jesus Christ and why would she trust Al of all people <laughs> to to be truthful about shoes like that and, but, and furthermore too I'd be more happy than 500 bucks than a trip to Hawaii <laughs> right. Like 500 bucks in hand, and it was so easy. He didn't have to do a contest for that. He didn't have to do anything. He just conned Marcy. 500 bucks, easy. I'll do that all day, right? Now that you say that, what are we missing here? (laughs) Al has a contest where he has to... I thought it was to sell a certain amount of shoes. Suddenly, it's about the value of all of the shoes you sell. Because... 
why sell that for 500 like or if you're going to do that then show al pocketing 400 of it and right. then using right. 100 and giving it to the store <laughs> right mom you know what i'm thinking that we should go upstairs and split up marcy's shoes no i was just wondering what i was thinking because i forgot <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that line because it is so completely random. <sighs> it comes out of nowhere. I think it's hilarious. How would Peg know? That's the even dumber part of it. If- of course she's not going to know. Unless Kelly was talking out loud again while she was thinking. <laughs> That's the only way. Were you <laughs> thinking or talking, Kelly? Because <laughs> Peg's not going to know if you weren't talking. Bud brings this girlfriend in, Petal, who is hot, especially for him. Yeah, where did that, where did she come from? Yeah, you know. Like, I want to know, like, what Bud does, like, in these situations that we don't see to pull these girls. Like, what? Right. Like, give me, give me some backstory on that. Like, okay, we'll just, we'll just ride with it, though. Like, Grandmaster B apparently just changed his life for the better in that, like, at any given moment, he can just get bag a hot chick. Like, what? <laughs> well, we can believe that he went to the park with Seven and said he, you know, the he saved him in Vietnam. He's still doing that? <laughs> maybe. Maybe that's where he got her. I mean, at least we have some kind of idea how this might happen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I remembered what the opening line could have been. It was the thing about the lemon in the... And the lonely Mr. Cherry. Oh, right. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, that could have been the three of us. Yeah, very good, Alex. (laughs) That's the joke again. Yeah, the three from hell, that other thing I invented. (laughs) You remember that? (laughs) I came up with that. It was with us three. (laughs) Oh, my God. Only Skeleton Crew fans will know that. Hi, Dad. This is Petal. It's part of a flower. (laughs) Isn't she great? I met her in quantum physics. (laughs) Hold my calls. There never are any, son. Never mind that now, Dad. See you tomorrow. Yeah! Young lady, you do realize that's my son's bedroom you're going to. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, nice shoes. Dad, don't. So Bud's girlfriend spies out Al's shoes on their kitchen island thing they got there, and she's way into these shoes, and it interrupts Bud taking her upstairs (laughs) to his bedroom. Bud knows she's distracted, and then Al jumps right for her because he's trying to sell shoes. So he's she, you know, now that's that's his prey, and he totally blows the whole thing for bud this girl must have bought these shoes and i don't know left or whatever and bud didn't get nothing i i didn't understand that that blockage there you know you could you could understand peggy doing it you know it's his mom 
Um, she embarrasses him a lot. Kelly, obviously, that's that's the easiest one. But Al, it's like, oh, come on, man. You know, especially because they do have a lot in common in that sense, you know. I mean, well, he they just gave the, him a hug. Yeah, a huge hug. He was But I don't get how it was a block anyway. Like, you can't buy shoes and have sex? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> It was obviously catastrophic enough for Bud to where he made that dramatic plea right after. So, <laughs> but yes, I I agree. I agree. He should he should be able to bounce right back from that. Right. He should be like, well, you like those shoes? Okay, you can wear them upstairs. Right. 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 <laughs> hey, keep those shoes on. Yeah. Keep your heels on. Right. <laughs> Come on, Bud. Get over it. What is one girl in the grand scheme of your life? Just your only chance. <laughs> Oh, come on, you're not alone in this. I myself have never had a woman, and I'm fine. <laughs> and neither has mom. And lately, neither has your father. Family! Bask in the glory. I did it. I won the contest. Yeah. You're looking at the shoe salesman of the month. I'm going to Hawaii. First class! And you know what they have in first class? Unlimited peanuts. <laughs> and a passenger lavatory ratio of only six to one. <laughs> Gee, I'm going to miss you guys. Apparently, the whole family already knew. And even though they weren't even mentioning it on the couch, but they weren't excited, nothing. But they all knew. Well, hang on to your hemorrhoids, honey. <laughs> I have news for you. I called the airlines, and there's been a change of plans. I traded your first-class ticket in for four standbys. We're all going to Hawaii together. <laughs> and, Dad, it was my idea. <laughs> because they already traded Al's first-class ticket for four standbys, which is the absolute lowest. You could do normally you could do like a first class and trade it for two uh, coach, coach, but four, yeah, you're doing standby. And it was Bud's idea, and that was his payback to Al for what he did. Well, standby isn't too bad. I mean, how long can they possibly make us wait? And then cut to a guy covered in cobwebs with dust all over him. Uh, and he's dressed like he's from the 30s. He's got an old newspaper. <laughs> yeah, he has a newspaper that says uh, FDR promises New Deal. <laughs> the New Deal program was created by U.S. President Franklin D. Roosevelt that was enacted between 1933 and 1938 to help America after the Great Depression. So that's how long that guy's been there. Uh, 60 years, I guess, right? <laughs> he's been waiting on standby for 60 years wow maybe he just didn't hear his name called right yeah maybe <laughs> he wasn't paying attention right there's no way he's been sitting there that long for any legit reason but it was funny to see that that was a good one well i checked on seven marcy found him where we left him in her guest room <laughs> she said she'd look after him She's just amazed by the things that happen when she's in the shower. Now, just hearing that, and it, 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 it's funny, it didn't occur to me when they said four tickets for standby. I didn't even think of seven. 
Right? Oh, yeah. What? Oh, my God. Wow. No, I didn't it's, even. And right before. It's such an afterthought. Right before Peggy mentioned what they had done with him, I thought, oh, wait, where's Seven? Right. You know, and right. then she's like, oh, you know, Marcy found him just where we left him in her guest room. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh. <laughs> Moving on. By the, you know, by this episode, like the, the producers must have just figured this character was a dead end man, right. and just did the absolute minimum to honor the contract until they just wrote him off that show. And I don't even think they really wrote him off. I I, I believe that he was just not on an episode one day, and that was it. Which is even better. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, you imagine if we had to have, go through a whole thing where Bob Cat Goldthwait comes and picks him up and stuff. Right. Like, get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. What about Buck? Oh, I took care of that. I opened up six cans of dog food, and I told him to only eat one each day. (laughs) And I could tell by the way he dug into that first can that he understood completely. (laughs) Some man or men are going to be very lucky to have you one day. Yeah, Yeah, I thought that was a little weird. I was like, oh, okay. Because it implies, uh, you know... Well, many possible things, but several. <laughs> yeah. It does. You know, if you're going to talk <laughs> this way to Kelly, can we at least get some old school Kelly back? Mm-hmm. What's the difference between saying something like that and having Al slam one of her boyfriend's faces into the wall? Right. I agree. Like, I got to say, that was some of my favorite stuff. Like, Jake getting slammed into the wall and his head slammed in the door and banged mm-hmm. on the banister and stuff. Was that not the greatest stuff ever? Oh, yeah. No, that was. <laughs> I agree. Hi, I'm Jake. <laughs> We're going to go upstairs to Kelly's room. <laughs> like, oh, that. I'm starting to not be okay with that lacking from her character. <laughs> Attention, ladies and gentlemen. In the first class lounge, the champagne is now 42 degrees. And, as always, unlimited peanuts are now being served. First class. Champagne, peanuts flowing like wine. That was supposed to be me. (laughs) Welcome to the first class lounge. May I see your ticket, sir? (laughs) This is standby. You embarrass me and yourself. Excuse me. Hey, it's Don Sebastian. (laughs) Believe in magic, buddy. I uh, seem to have lost my ticket. Oh, it doesn't matter, Mr. Sebastian. We know you. Go right in. As always, the peanuts are unlimited. Life is good. (laughs) I should have said I lost my ticket. Wouldn't have done any good. You're not a rock star. So, Al, um, earlier, he's, like, sitting in standby, and this lady, like, passes out and just lands on his, like, lap or something. Did she die, or was she sleeping? <laughs> um, I thought she was sleeping, and then I saw in a goof that they're like, even though she's dead, you can see her hand move to adjust her purse after he sits her up. And I'm like, well, who told us she was dead? Right. 
I assume she was just an old lady sleeping, but right. I don't know. Yeah, me too. So Al, you know, he gets this bright idea. He sees her and he takes this disgusting soiled wig from the lady <laughs> and decides to wear it to get into the first class uh, lounge posing as a rock star. At this point, we are introduced to John Sebastian. He's best known as a founder of The Loving Spoonful and his signature classic, Do You Believe in Magic? Do you believe in magic? And I hope you do. Skip it a bebop. But, but, even more exciting than that. Even more exciting than that is after he left Love and Spoonful, he did a solo. And, ooh, his, like, this, he had this amazing number one hit. And everyone knows this song, even if you think you don't. Even if you think you don't know who John Sebastian is. It's called Welcome Back. And you know it. Cotter? Yes. It's the theme song to Welcome Back, Cotter. Oh, you wow. Want to sing again? <laughs> I got nothing. Back. Your dreams were your ticket out. Welcome back to the same old place that you laughed about. Well, the dreams have all changed. You hung around, but the dreams have remained and they've turned around. Yeah, who would have thought song so much. Anyway, um, by the way, thank you to Luigi for complimenting my singing. I didn't know you were going to leave that in. I seriously. Just like we're leaving this in. Yeah, where do you think this is going? (laughs) I seriously, seriously thought you would cut that out. And um, I didn't know until that you had left it in until he posted that. And I was like, oh my God. Your face turned so red. (laughs) I was so embarrassed. You're like, I'm going to kill him. But you know what? I don't care. (laughs) It's whatever. Skeleton crew karaoke. I was so excited when I saw John Sebastian. Like, I love this episode. This is fun. Like, John Sebastian pop up and then Peter Noon. You got guy from the doors. Well, Peter Noon, there's a little trivia to that. In the episode Christmas, Kelly receives a copy of Herman's Hermits and the song I'm the Henry VIII I Am. The singer of that song... Peter, no one appears as himself in this episode. That's right. Uh, I actually—I mean, uh, noon. Did you say Peter North? No, he said no one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Peter North appears in this. Is he shooting ropes? It'd be like that's more like hermit crabs. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Peter North. <laughs> And if you don't get that joke, look up who Peter North is. <laughs> <laughs> you don't, guys. Yeah. Let the wives do it. Oh, man. Just let them tell you. So, Richie Havens. <laughs> Richie Haven is, Havens is in this. His music encompassed elements of folk, soul, rhythm, and blues. He had an intense and rhythmic guitar style. And he played soulful covers of pop and folk songs. He was the opening act at Woodstock. Oh. Mm-hmm. You didn't know that. You thought it was Jimi Hendrix, right? <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got Spencer Davis, Welsh 
musician, and multi-instrumentalist, and the founder of the 1960s beat band, the Spencer Davis Group. Their best-known songs include the UK number ones, Somebody Help Me, Keep On Running, I'm a Man, and Give Me Some Lovin', which reached number two in the UK and seven in the US. Robbie Krueger is an American guitarist and singer-songwriter, best known as the guitarist of the rock band The Doors, as they made very clear uh, on this show. Um, as such, he has been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Kruger wrote for and co-wrote many of The Doors songs, including hits Light My Fire, Love Me Two Times, Touch Me, I've gone away. and Love Her Madly. I love The Doors. Mark Lindsay, best known as the lead singer of Paul Revere and the Raiders. Saw them in concert, too. Wow. And Herman Hermits. Herman, I've seen Herman's Hermits in concert, and I've seen Paul Revere and the Raiders in concert. Wow. Well, Mark Lindsay, uh, among their hits are songs Kicks, Hungry, Him or Me, What's It Gonna Be, and the platinum certified number one single, Indian Reservation. Oh, I love that song. In all the confusion, Al walks in. Now that he has his long hair thing, he undid his shirt, so he comes off like a rocker and stuff. And somehow Peg, Kelly, and Bud came in with this wardrobe out of nowhere. Like, how did they get these clothes? Did they pack rocker gear in their luggage to go to Hawaii? You know, I didn't think about that, but that's a good question. And I'm assuming they did not. <laughs> Maybe they robbed the old lady of her luggage and she's been sitting there since the 60s. Right? Wow, you actually made this work. Wow. <laughs> well, if the one guy's been there since Roosevelt's been in office, I think that the lady being there since the 60s has been too hard of a stretch. Yeah, hell, she died, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Um, them dressing up like these 60s rock stars calls back the whole thing where the kids went to Alan Pegg's high school reunion in uh, Married with the Prom Queen season three, episodes 17 and 18, because they dressed up in the same, pretty much, they looked really the same. Oh, well, you know, probably not exact, but right. uh, pretty close to that episode. So that this is the second time we see him looking like that. Hey, man, Ruby Day, right? And women shouldn't have to cook, man. <laughs> Dig it, I'm hip. Try to keep the groupies off me if you can. Uh, excuse me, excuse me. Ticket, please. Well, uh, uh, must have left it in the limo. Rock and roll always forgets. <laughs> I'm sorry, sir, but I don't recognize you. You'll need a ticket. Um, uh, Sebastian! John, my man, come here. <laughs> hey, how you doing? <laughs> how they hanging, fellow rock bro? Well, uh, let's just say I can find them when I need them. Uh, uh, Axel, Axel Bundy. <laughs> you know, from uh, from Shoes and Socks, remember? <laughs> Stupid. I'm guessing Shoes and Socks is basically a reference to Guns and Roses. Uh, yeah, I would think, since his name is Axel. Axel Bundy, yeah. 
honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if they're because they had some really stupid band names back then. They did. All you had to do was take any word, right? And you know, whether it was like the birds, the zombies, strawberry alarm clock. What the hell is that? I mean, just it just it didn't matter. You just took random words and you know, ta da, we're a band. The Doors, even what? Why? Like yeah, right. it's great, but I mean they're great, but why? <laughs> it didn't matter. I is this too late to make a correction to a show that we did like weeks ago? Nope. <laughs> I listened back to a show, and we were talking about albums, and <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what the hell I was thinking when I said this, but or where this even came from. But Dan was asking me about. A, an offspring album spring album and i said fuss you mang and then after and then i was when i listened back to the show i was like where did i get that that's that is not even an offspring is that, that is, pilots? No, no it's um smash mouth smash mouth yes anyway i was supposed to i was supposed to see smash mouth but they canceled but anyway i listened <laughs> back to the show i caught this stupid mistake that i made and I'm like, oh, my God, people out there are thinking I'm the biggest idiot. Why did I say that? I don't know why I said that. Um, if it makes you feel better, no one corrected that. But everyone lets us know what Suey means. <laughs> right. Maybe right. no one is even – maybe no one had that Smash Mouth album. But honestly, that's a great album. I loved it. Hey, man, how dare you give credit to these other guys? <laughs> <laughs> San Francisco, 1969. I don't remember too much about 1960. <laughs> <laughs> Who does? <laughs> so, you know, the old joke. Uh, if you remember the 60s, then you weren't there. Yes. You were sitting in your room like a loser watching TV. <laughs> <laughs> Oddly enough, I remember the 90s pretty well. <laughs> I guess that's what I was doing. Watching Marrow Children. Yep. Uh, but seriously, you must remember me from the big concert last year. Live Aid, uh, Lemonade, uh, Kool Aid, Ice Capade. Oh. Um, reference to uh, Band Aid. Uh, that was a charity supergroup featuring mainly British and Irish musicians and recording artists. Most famous recording was 1984's Do They Know It's Christmas? Right, and remember Live Aid was the famous Bohemian Rhapsody concert, yeah. Live Aid concert. Mm -hmm. Famous, huge Live Aid concert there. Yeah, I, I remember. Uh, Peter, uh, look who's here. Wow! Who's he? <laughs> Axel Bundy? Oh, Axel, great. Hey, I'm a big fan. I've got one of your records. You remember the one that sold? <laughs> Have you still got that tambourine playing wife in your band? Still screeches horrible backup vocals. <laughs> so I think that is a reference to Yoko Ono, who played the tambourine and was notorious for those screeching. <laughs> oh, she like is unbelievably bad. Um, John Lennon was thinking with his penis the whole time because... Well, and if you look at her, I don't understand that either. Yeah, I was going to say, was he, though? <laughs> I don't know. He was thinking with his drugs, I guess. Because it, it, I don't understand any of this. Because Christmas just passed. And you know that famous John Lennon song? It's like, or Happy Christmas, War is Over, or something like yes. that, in parentheses. 
And um, it's a great song, but during the chorus, he like raised her vocals, even though she's singing like uh, in a normal way. She's not like, like screeching or anything. It still throws the song off just a little bit. I just hate everything she ever gave to the music world. <laughs> that song's playing out because it's just like Christmas is canceled. Yeah. And if you want to see a really wild album cover, look at John Lennon and Yoko Ono's album cover for Two Virgins. Oh, that's the one where they're naked in bed, right? Oh, No, not in bed. They're just standing there. Oh, okay. Kind of weird. Oh, God. And wait till you see her ass, dude. I'm all set. Dude. Like, no offense, but I'm not going to follow up on that. (laughs) I'm telling you. I'm doing it right now. No, Jamie, just don't. <laughs> no, Jamie, save yourself. If, if you wondered what John what John Lennon's head he was thinking with, once you see her ass, you're going to say it couldn't have been his penis. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm just distracted by the bush. Good Lord. <laughs> yeah, you have to take a lawnmower over there. <laughs> Dan could work on that thing for a week. <laughs> Dan's like, Dan burst through the door. Get out of the way. I'm a professional. <laughs> I went through three spools. Yeah. <laughs> three spools? Oh, the weed whacker? How do you get her ass? Oh, I see. Oh. It's oh. all revealed. Aren't you glad you found out? Like an old man ass. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a wet diaper with a line down the middle. <laughs> Nobody will believe it, but I'm a huge John Lennon fan. You wouldn't believe that by what I'm saying, right? Could you imagine living like this all the time? No wonder Fergie's such a piglet. Now, all of you young people might be confused. He's not talking about... Fergalicious. Yeah. Yeah, black-eyed peas, Fergie, right. How come every time she comes around, her London, London bridge is going down? That's one, yes. Uh, He's referencing Sarah Ferguson, the Duchess of York, and her weight issues. This is right when she was starting uh, the divorce of uh, Prince Andrew. They separated on March 19th, 1992. Uh, I don't know if it was due to her weight issues, though. He might have said, I had enough of this. If you can't stop eating, we're done. (laughs) But then she did lose a lot of weight. Yeah, isn't that the thing? You marry a chick, she gains a hundred pounds for every year you're married to her, and then she gets divorced and looks hot for some other guy after you put up with all that. <laughs> you sound like you're from the 50s. No, that was the Sam Kennison line, remember? He goes, yeah, I was married. Oh, she gained a hundred pounds for every year we were married. <laughs> and then we said we hope they only were married for two years. Could life be any grander? Who'd have thunk it? Living it up with the geezers of rock. <laughs> Speaking of geezers, son, have you seen your mother? <laughs> no, but if she's anywhere on the stewardess, I'll find her. <laughs> Bud has his hands all over some hot stewardess's, like, thighs and stuff. That is cool, man. Like, can you imagine being a rock star and this kind of stuff went on everywhere you went? It was like a lock. 
right. I love that line too, where he's like, I don't know, but if she's on this stewardess, I'll find her. Have <laughs> <laughs> you seen her mother? If she's on this stewardess, I'll find her. You know, oddly enough, the uh, night before, uh, you know, last night I watched uh, Almost Famous, which has to do with rock stars and stewardess. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. Oddly enough, it was it was it was deep prep for this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Dan's <laughs> like, I have to understand the 1960s rock star mentality more to really review this. <laughs> right. Well, here, here was my thing though too, like. All the trouble that they went through to change clothes and get into this area, right? right? They they dressed up as them. They finally get in. But then look at them when they get in. Like with the peanuts. Like that's so obnoxious. <laughs> right. Like no wonder that dude doesn't want you in here. Like I don't want you in here. Like even if he was a rock star. All the rock stars, like you see him in the background, the dude in the back, he's at the bar just like watching it unfold, just drinking, just, you know what I mean? So it's like, well, I don't even blame these people. <laughs> like you, like you suck. Like don't, don't be that guy. The odd thing is no one thinks he is at the end. They all want him to keep hanging out with them. Right. 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 So no one gets what you're saying at all. Even after he played a sandwich. <laughs> I don't mean it like that. No, what I'm saying is nobody gets like nobody gets that at all. Like they just see him do all this obnoxious stuff and they're all okay with it. Right, right. You are who I think of when I have sex with my husband. <laughs> you are who I think of when I have sex with my husband. <laughs> Uh, you are who I think of when I have sex with my husband. <laughs> you are who I think of when I... <laughs> when I clean up the floor around the toilet. Hey, Axel, come on, join us over here. We're jamming. Yeah, come on, man. It wouldn't be a jam without... Uh, uh... Who is that guy? His name's uh, Awful Grungy or something. I don't, I don't know him, but I know that's Peggy, and I believe we all remember her. Was he insi- like? What is the insinuation? Was it that she was a groupie who used to sleep with mu- musicians, and they actually do remember her, or? As a kid, I always thought, oh, they're just referring to what she just did when she went through everyone. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I was thinking the same thing. Like, do they remember her from the 60s or do they remember her like, you know, the skydiver remembered her? Right. The the Blue Angels remembered her, you know. On Seven's birthday. Or or like when in Troy's, the strip club, when they call her Big Red and, you know, this table's for you, Peg. When is she doing all of this stuff? She never leaves the house. <laughs> Did you notice that one of the guys call Al Al? Yes, I do. It was actually Robbie Krieger, I think. Um, he actually refers to him as Al, and I'm like, uh. <laughs> you shouldn't have done that because you don't know him he as was Al. Just no, little one boy. There, no one there knows him as Al, but apparently they just let it go. Yeah. Either no one caught it until it was too late, right. or they just said, eh, whatever. Screw it, yeah. Yeah, we're not reshooting this. Yeah, nobody's going to notice. <laughs> I think I remember him. Didn't he used to be the fifth monkey? <laughs> hey, Ankle, we're waiting on you. Oh, 
Come on, Daddy. You never play at home. Oh, I don't know. Uh, Marcy was a fan of the monkeys, and there were actually four monkeys, just like the Beatles. Different people have claimed to be the fifth of both groups. I used to love the monkeys, the TV show. Yes, I'm walking around in the monkey. <laughs> Who has not done the monkey walk? Everybody's done the monkey. I don't walk. even know what that is. What? <laughs> the thing where you 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 you're like shoulder to shoulder with your friends, and then you like put you both. Everybody puts their right foot, and then everybody puts their left foot, and then everybody and you walk forward. Fix it all about. Mm-mm. No. Oh my God. Why was an '80s kid though? I don't. I don't. It's so wrong. There's something wrong. Yeah, we're jamming. <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. It wouldn't be a jam without. Uh, 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 who is that guy? <laughs> His name's uh, awful grungy or something. <laughs> now we get to this um, Grandmaster B humor where the guys. Can't remember Al's name. <laughs> right. They call him awfully grungy. Grandmaster B syndrome. Instead of Axel Bundy. Yeah, it's the Grandmaster B syndrome. And it's sort of Al syndrome. They kind of like mixed the two because remember like right. they could never even get Al's name right. Like they called him Al Bindi, Al Birdie, <laughs> past and future episodes. Hey, fellow rock bros. Yeah. Hey. I just had me a groupie. All right. So they ask Al to jam with them. And he's in the middle of eating the sandwich. And he seems to, like, reluctantly kind of join in and all that kind of stuff. So in this jam, Al's playing a pastrami sandwich ridiculously. Wow. Hey, why don't you jam with us? Come on, Al, for old time's sake. to play pastrami like that. <laughs> well, after I was deli on the south side. Right, you got cold cuts in your blood. Man. By the way, little mustard on your pants. <laughs> you know, like, making the worst sounds ever. I mean, if that was an instrument and it sounded like that, nobody would use it. That initially I looked at and I was like, that's so stupid. Like, I didn't like it. And then they, they went in closer <laughs> And it got me, and I smiled. I it started like, getting funny. This show is so stupid. Like, th- there's a level. There's just a level of stupidity that this show reaches where it, it, it is. It's it's comical. And I laughed. It got me. I went from, like, oh, that's so stupid. Okay. There is a woman in the background who is, like, clapping and cheering and right. smiling. And I'm like, what is happening? Right. And the bartender's all, like, Leaning in, like, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> well, Jamie, I gotta ask you now. It's actually a, a big pivotal scene. What did you think of the pastrami playing? <laughs> um, no, I'm telling you, it is, and I'm gonna get into it. I, I thought it was rather dumb, to be honest. Now, funny, it, it, you know, it got me. It did, but dumb because so stupid. And and I'm just, I was kind of shocked that everyone's just going along with this. Like he's. 
playing this sandwich. He's playing a sandwich. Okay, so you brought up the aspect I was going to get into also. But first, let me say, you remember with that Jump the Shark website? And obviously, you know, we talked about this when the show Jump the Shark. But the website, the reason I'm mentioning the website in particular, it's because you used to be able to submit reasons the show Jump the Shark and then people would vote. Okay. If that's the the reason. Like, for example, yep. people for Married with Children would say when Steve left. And then you'd have when Seven joined. You know? Things like that. When Jefferson joined. And then you vote if that's when the show jumped the shark. Well, guess what? People <laughs> submitted Al Plays a Sandwich. No. <laughs> yeah. People felt this is when the show jumped the shark. Did Weaver. it get a lot of votes? I don't know. But according to our research team... Great story, Al. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but, but here's the thing. I thought it was funny to a degree. It was funny, but it almost lost its humor when everybody went along with it. Right. In the realism way. You know, like, wow, man, where did you learn to play a pastrami like that? Uh, a little after hours, Deli, on the south side. Wild, man. You got cold cuts in your blood, man. Yeah. Uh, by the way, and a little mustard on your pants, too. That's where you lost me. I think it's funny because Al is, you know, food's his whole thing, you know? It's like this whole thing, this big quest of Al. It's food and, and shoes and, and football and, you know, things like that. So it's not really that far out to see him doing this. And the other reason it works is because it's something that happened in just, like, in the moment, you know? Like, it just happened out of nowhere. Like, Al was eating a sandwich, and then he they, they put him on the spot and said, hey, do you want to jam with us? Uh, I don't, you know, he obviously he doesn't play an instrument, so he just kind of went with it. Right. I guess that's his humor, you know? And he was just kind of having a good time. And it worked just in that instant. Mm-hmm. But it didn't work after they once they started speaking about it, and it doesn't really work later for me at all. Right. It was the worst later. Right. You know, so this is a very fine line of humor here. Um, do I think it jumped the shark? No. It's just not as funny the second time, that's all. And, and, and well, and that's a tough thing to look at a one particular moment, right, in a series. Right. Right. That caused it to jump the shark. So, but to point at that, uh, no, because we've been paying attention at all the all the <laughs> stupid moments, and it could have been one of a hundred, even just a season. You know, you. exactly. <laughs> Flight one hundred and seven to Tucson yeah. now boarding oh, gate four A. Come on, time to go. Say goodbye to first class Axel and. Hello to stand by, Al. Hey, Axel. Where you going? Forgot my ticket. Ticket? You don't need a ticket. Everybody knows you. Yeah, come on. We got the whole first-class compartment all to ourselves. And we're doing a benefit. And we need all the big stars we can get, Axel. Yeah, and there aren't many bigger stars than you, uh, Maxwell. <laughs> come on. We need your blue-eyed, bad-wigged soul. Gee, why not, Al? It'd be just like singing in the shower, if you sang or showered. Come on. Oh, oh, yeah. Mary, let's go. 
Lucille. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, real quick, when Al uh, is about to leave and he says, oh, oh, wait a second, and he grabs another pastrami sandwich to go to to do this right. old aid thing, he, that's a reference to B.B. King. He used to call his guitar Lucille. Remember we talked about that? Yep. Yeah. Wasn't, remember B.B. King, wasn't he playing uh, in the street in that episode? Yep. With Buck, uh, the whole Buck-centric episode? So this is obviously a spoof of We Are the World. We are the children. Yeah, it was a charity single originally recorded by the supergroup The United Support of Artists for Africa in 1985. It was written by Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie and produced by Quincy Jones and Michael O'Martian for the album We Are the World. And it sold 200 million copies. Mm-hmm. It is one of fewer than 30 retail singles to have sold at least 10 million copies worldwide. It was inspired following Band Aid's 1984, Do They Know It's Christmas? Mm-hmm. So that was just a huge thing. And everybody remembers that video. Remember all the celebrities singing and they all have like their own lines and stuff? Yep. I don't remember that. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? I don't remember it. Oh, the We Are the World video? Oh. Not a clue. You should watch it. Looking like the end of us. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to see what it would feel like to be you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but you know, Jimmy? No, we've known you way too long. We knew you were full of it. (laughs) You ain't going to get me on that. Yeah, I was just going along with it. Like, you're trying to tell me that Jamie Sammons don't know We Are the World? (laughs) Yeah, come on. That's not a world that we live in. Yep. It's time for no man to take a little break in the Jiggly Room. I'm the DJ, and I'm going to play a little bit of music that was on this week's episode of Marry With Children. <laughs> we are the old. We've got arthritis. Our gums are weak. So weak. From gingivitis. <laughs> we are the old. We've got arthritis. We are the ones who wear bifocals and have bursitis. There are people younger, but we need another call. We really need the money. Our accountants took it all. We sing to you, those who have money. Once we was cool, but now we just dress funny. (laughs) We need your help, so please, please dig deep. Don't call after ten. Cause we'll be asleep (laughs) We have Medicare And anti-gas pills But without your help We can't pay our alimony bills Take it, Axel
excite some. Don't excite some. Go write a check, a really big one, for our December. There's one more verse, but we can't remember. <laughs> guys are all singing about how old and messed up they are and it's like really a bunch of disparaging lyrics i mean these guys have a great sense of humor yeah you know they also apparently have arthritis and bursitis and gingivitis and their weak gums yeah <laughs> uh, their accountants took all their money they dress funny um i love that line it's like we used to be cool. Now we just dress. But what did he say? What I remember the beginning of it. But and now we just dress funny. And you know what? I love that because you often see aging rock stars still wearing the same clothes that they wore. They would dress the same. They have the same hairstyles that they had back when they were big. And you're like, right. oh, now it just looks weird. Right. Like give up the skullet. Right. Eric Clapton comes out with those jeans up on his waist there, looking like Bill Gates. (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting, like, when you have to stop dressing like you did when you were happening. It's a real timestamp on you as a person. It's almost like, did you never move on? Like, are you still living in the past? Um... (laughs) Yeah, like, bro, burn that turtleneck. <laughs> well, I think they said that right away. Right. <clears throat> to see these guys when they're aged and they still sort of dress like uh, what Vince Neil is a big one to do that. Like, he's still dressing like he's a great looking guy and stuff. And and obviously he looks like the abominable snow monster <laughs> from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. So... <laughs> Bumbles bounce. Bumbles bounce. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think Vince Neil's going to bounce back as much. It looks like he doesn't even care. But maybe it's just not that important to some people and they just don't care anymore. So, again, Al plays this pastrami sandwich. Sounds horrible again. And it's just not as funny here. I don't know, man. And for you guys who were on the fence to begin with, I mean, what were you thinking? No, I thought it was stupid. I thought it was uh I thought it was played out kind of the first time. Like I said, I was borderline and yeah, it I I cracked for sure. Like I cracked a smile the first time. But then the second time I'm like, oh, this is what they're going with, huh? Like they're throwing all their eggs in that basket and it's not even a good joke. <laughs> It kind of didn't surprise me that it came back around. I was just like, oh, yeah, okay. So if they accepted it once, they accepted it again. The, what I was actually, I was thinking at the time, I'm like, were they really allowed? They're doing this big benefit, like this big important thing. They're trying to raise money. This is like a serious thing, and they're really going to let them play a sandwich? <laughs> like, right. I just, it was weird. It was so weird, but eh, eh. 
I didn't really care one way or the other. I've honestly been holding back this whole episode to kind of not tip my hat to what I'm going to rate this. Oh, good. I think it's the appropriate time, though, to kind of sort of let the cat out of the bag before we get before we get into the. But this was such like a. It was such a lazy excuse to to get everybody on. And here's the thing, too, though. I wish that I was in Jamie's position where I knew who all these people are. <laughs> right? So I'm trying to be, like, you know, good about it and put myself in somebody's place where, you know, what if, like, you know, these are people that I really did know. Yeah, what if you knew these guys and it was exciting? Even still... What a lazy shoehorned attempt to kind of like <laughs> pass it off as an episode. Like there were so many lazy parts to this. And here's the thing. I liked a lot of it. I, I liked a lot of the jokes. But that's only really looking back on it and saying, OK, trying to find the good things because mm. they, they were overshadowed by the bad. And that last scene that last scene, like I th- like while the song was funny, when they went back to that sandwich, I said to myself in my head, I was like, "Wow, they really went back to the sandwich, huh?" I'm like, "That's <laughs> that's what you're going with." I'm like, "I'm done. I'm just." And I, I was like, "It's it's like your parents say, like I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Like I was so dis, <laughs> I was so disappointed. I was like, that's what you got. Like that's what you're stirring up and spewing out." Right. Well, I'm glad. I think Jamie put, mentioned it again. She she basically pointed out what I said earlier. You, you know, we're doing a serious benefit. These lyrics are as dumb as the sandwich when you think about it. Like, is it serious? I don't know. Because would you talk about arthritis and don't call us at 10, we'll be asleep by then and all this stuff? Like, is can that be serious? I mean, obviously, look, this is just a show and we are clearly trying to cram this into reality. And... But it's like this. It's like this. No, we do know it's a show, but is the leap we're taking worth is is it worth it? Is is it worth right, right. Worth the departure. Right. Right. So like, okay, so obviously yeah, it's like, okay, we'll we'll be cool and we know there's a comedy. So now let's let's lighten up and and laugh, right? Again, like we said before, things are funny in the right context. Like right. the one I pointed out, Al eating the uh, the deed to the park or whatever in the birthday episode. Yeah. Yeah. Or whatever that was. Whatever he ate from the – remember the guy gave it to him? Uh-huh. And, then, and then he said, why didn't you save any from me? Right. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, Bud ate it. And he said, why didn't you save me any of that? <laughs> like that's funny even though people don't eat those things, you know? Right. Again, it doesn't – it's not about the reality of it. It's just not funny when everyone goes along. Okay, just like Jamie said, when people see something and they think it's crazy right. and and the bunnies are in the normal world and they're crazy, that's funny. But when everyone is doing it, it's not that funny. So when they're all co-signing this pastrami sandwich, these are a bunch of serious musicians. Right. Like, wouldn't it be funnier if they were totally turned off to this? Right, exactly. exactly. And they thought <laughs> right. Al was a total jackass, like... <laughs> you're bringing this pastrami sand like okay it was all funny in the lounge dude but well aren't you a legitimate musician right right well yeah what works for these characters doesn't necessarily always 
work for everyone, you know, and if you're just assigning a certain mindset or certain type of person to everybody, well, then what makes what makes our main character special? But the problem here is that everyone's on the same page. Yeah, that's what I'm... So where's the juxtaposition here? There's got to be. There's got to be that opposite end. Right. Got to be. Right. And there's none. The reaction has to, like, the reaction is what makes it almost, you know? Right. Right. I understand what you say, like, when you said all these jokes and everything like that, and they were good. There's a lot of good jokes in here. Mm-hmm. I think the point that you're trying to make is despite all that, you don't walk away from this episode thinking you just watched a really good episode. No, it's overshadowed, unfortunately. Right. Like, yeah. sure, there's 20 quality jokes here. Right. And a lot of them, you know, just just a lot of good jokes. Yep. But in the context of what we just watched, right. him winning the shoe thing, the whole thing in the lounge, this song at the end, do you turn this off and go, huh, I have to watch this again one day really soon? <laughs> I think we all know the answer to that, Al. Right. And it, you don't think that, um, and that's that's the problem. So let's get to our ratings. All right, how many times are we gonna play the pastrami sandwich for this episode, Dan? Okay, so I'm taking, I'm eating two pastrami sandwiches, and I'm taking half with me to uh, old eight. <laughs> oh, no, I don't um, think you're eating them; you're playing them. Oh, oh, okay. Well, I have to play them? Yeah. (laughs) You have to, apparently. Yeah, no. Two and a half. I thought long and hard about this. Um, Mm. And and the reason it it does bring it down from – because I was going to settle on a three, but uh, I'm going to land on two and a half is because of what you just said Mm. about – uh, uh, what we just talked about about basically like yeah even though the jokes some of them were really good in this episode mm-hmm. they, it can't just stand on on that alone especially if there's other things around it that overshadow it and I almost feel like it's dragging it down in a lot of ways which is very unfortunate but at the same time like it is what it is I can't I can't separate those things while watching the episode where it's like alright this is just so shoehorned in like I said I I gotta be honest too. Like as a as a human being, I probably would <laughs> I probably would have rated it higher if I knew who these people were, straight up. And that's not a detriment to the show or anything. That's just me. But I'm the one rating it, so I have to go from my perspective. And I didn't know these people, so two and a half. It was it was okay. It was pretty good. It was decent. Right. The not knowing the people made it so that they did not bump it up for you. And that's nobody's fault but my own, but still, you know, that that doesn't change my rating. Well, Dan should be cultured. (laughs) Listen, man, I love The Doors. I absolutely love it. I mean, I just... I don't know who that guy is. Right, exactly. (laughs) That's not Jim Morrison. Right. (laughs) All right, how many times are you going to play the pastrami sandwich for this episode, Jamie? Whoa. Well, it looks like I'm going to beat Al, and I'm going to play it four times. Oh. Wow. Yeah, sorry, guys. Yeah, I really Don't dug this sorry. episode. It was really fun for me to see all these guys, to and to the ridiculous 
extreme that they went to just to get these people on the show, which, I mean, if you think about it, it's really ridiculous. Like, he did this whole contest thing just so he could win a trip to Hawaii. Not so they could go to Hawaii, but so <laughs> that they could end up going to, where'd they even go? Somewhere in Arizona, I want to say. Flight 107 to Tucson, now boarding gate 4A. No, they didn't go to Hawaii. No, they were, their, their flight was going somewhere else, the guys. So, um... Which I didn't get any of that anyway because Al was like, lost, you know, lost our tickets. No, you didn't. You didn't lose your tickets. You just go back out there and sit on standby, you know. Right. Right. Well, he actually said, you know, back to standby, Al. But anyway, that, but the point is they went all around the world just to get these aging rock stars on this show when they could have come up with a myriad of principles to get them on here. Like they could have right. gone in any direction. And this mm. is they decided to have them in the airport lounge, which I don't know, is just kind of funny. That's funny. I enjoyed it. It was fun. It got the it got welcome back stuck in my head, which I absolutely love. So that's OK. <laughs> Always a good day. <laughs> so, uh, you know, yeah, I'm down with that. I had, I had a good time with it. So it was it was a good one for me. Oh, my God, Jamie sent us pictures of the John Lennon album cover in our group oh, chat. Oh, no, thank God that my phone's dead. But look at that bush. That's what got... I'm like, what the fuck? Like, you... <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. It looks like an anteater crawled out of between her legs. Because it goes down because of the black background. <laughs> so all you see is a black bush and her legs are a little separated. So it looks like a big nose going down her legs. <laughs> So, good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Uh, I'm not on a crusade to make everyone like or dislike what I do, or Dan isn't either, so that's fine. Um, and I don't dislike this, actually. I'm going to be a little more generous. I don't know any of the people on this episode either, which I'm not proud of. I'm not saying I'm too cool to know all this. I, I usually do know things like this. I'm a big fan of people as far back as the 30s. So... um I'm way into things that are just not modern or anything, but I just don't know these people. And so that didn't help me. You know, if it was a bunch of like grunge rock, like if they weren't all dead and they had a bunch of grunge rock stars or whatever uh, from the 90s on a show, I would think it's the greatest <laughs> thing in the world. They're all dead. <laughs> They're all dead. Chris Cornell, Kurt Cobain, Stone Temple Pilots dude. Hey man, Dave Grohl's still going strong. Yeah, he's here. Billy Corgan's here. That's cool. So, um, yeah, there's a couple people alive, I guess, from that, that time. Um, the guy from Blind Melon's dead, though. Oh, the guy from Radiohead is alive, so that's good. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that didn't help me. The lack of seven really helped me. So, him getting booted out real quick. Always a plus, yeah. Yeah, what they had him do is, I find that absolutely hilarious, that he was here to put Al's shoes on and leave. I liked a lot of the jokes. I liked the Marcy Jefferson thing a lot. Do I like the Al premise of uh, the shoe contest? No, but a couple good jokes came out of it. Um, Bud with the chick, and then Al preys on her, seeing she has interest in buying a shoe. That's semi-funny. I don't think it was really... Um, I don't think it was done exactly properly. Mm -hmm. It didn't pay off in a... Super funny way, I guess, Bud, cutting to Bud, grumpy, sitting on the couch is, is right. funny, I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that, that works. Mm -hmm. But you wonder why she just didn't go upstairs after she bought the shoes, like Jamie said. Right. So right. that didn't really work in that way. 
then he wins the trip. They do the thing in the airport. They're on standby. There were some good jokes there. The guy with the dust and cobwebs all over him, the newspaper. They put effort into this episode. Right. Uh, most of the jokes were really funny. Mm-hmm. There really weren't any bad jokes here. Even in the lounge, most of it's funny. You know, it's good. It's an enjoyable time watching an episode. It's just, I guess when you get to the end, I mean, even even the song, the lyrics to the song are actually funny. They're forced and so over-the-toply ridiculous, though, right? that it's just, hey, guys, just have a laugh with these lyrics. Mm-hmm. I love how you just turned over the top into an adverb. They're over the toply. <laughs> Did I say that? Over the toply? Over the toply. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Very over the toply. It's it's a weird thing though, like that humor of him playing the sandwich at that song and then them singing that song. I I'm just not sure I that ever sat really the way it probably should have with me. And even back then as a kid when I didn't try to make this reality you know on this show it's a weird trap we fall into where we're like you know this would never happen or whatever Mm -hmm. but then we you know we're we're still trying to be normal people and we know we're watching a show and lighten up but i don't know if that works for me this whole concept of them singing this these lyrics (laughs) on any level even to the part where like there's one more verse but we can't remember (laughs) like how how is that a lyric (laughs) (laughs) obviously if it's a written out lyric there are no other verses because that's the end (laughs) I don't understand you know I I know I'm way doing what I'm not supposed to be doing and I'm a jerk but (laughs) if it works it works if it doesn't it doesn't and I'm sorry that type of humor doesn't work for me I agree you know and let's face it it's not what happens all the time on this show so I think I'm allowed to not like it it's, it's not like this is their humor all the time. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Right? So I'll just say this doesn't work for me, that that type of humor, this whole end thing. In this scene, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, they, they made a major effort here, and I'll give it, the most I can give it is a 3.5. Mm. I A okay. little more than like it. So, two and a half, three and a half, four as our ratings. Yours is higher than I expected based on all the bitching you were just doing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I always surprised. <laughs> okay, so tune in next week as we review Death of a Shoe Salesman. While shopping for a burial plot for the family, Al and Peg discover they don't have enough money, so they have to be buried in the same casket. <laughs> Dude, caskets are sponsored. Oh, they're way expensive. I'm gonna I'm gonna get a kiss casket personally. Wow. Just to keep this whole rock thing going that we're revealing. <laughs> kiss sucks. <laughs> <laughs>